Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Grant and Danny on the fan. Welcome back. A Darius Dameron, Ryan Clary production. We got you covered today on 106.7 The Fan, taking you up to 6.30 this evening. We told you we were going to discuss Washington's offseason plans in the NFL with Brad Spielberger, so let's get to it. He is the R&D and salary cap analyst for PFF, a former NFL front office member as well. And he joins us on the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter to beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Visit BetQL.com. Brad, we, we actually want to start here in Washington before we nationalize things out to the rest of the NFL. And I want to start with some of the decisions they've got to make. Deron Payne's a pending free agent at defensive tackle. He was ranked today number four in the top 50 ESPN put out of their pending free agents. What kind of money do you think Payne can command at that D-tackle position, which has exploded over the last year, he and Javon Hargrave both hitting the market at the same time? Yeah, the big thing is that market growth coming up. There are so many young, super talented players that are going to expand the market, and even though they're going to get paid after Hargrave and Deron Payne do, their agents, of course, know this and know where the market is going and can kind of say, hey, you know, we're operating from the framework of we think this interior defender market is going to have a bunch of guys in the, you know, 23, 24, 25 million per year range, bridging the gap from the guys where it is now. Um, and Aaron Donald, obviously, above 30 million. So uh, I think, long answer short, Deron Payne's top 10 on our free agent list, uh, number 10, and I have his contract. You're getting a little peek here. This comes out later this week. Uh, I have a four-year, $80 million deal for him, um, so $20 million a year. Brad, do you agree with me? Well, let me just – I'm trying to get a big picture sense of this thing. So, you know, the NFL, like every few years, is like a new paradigm of how it has to be done and, you know, sort of team building. There's so much copycatting going on. I feel like we're in the interior pressure is the thing. Like era of of football team building, right? Just because of the quick passing games and some of these shorter quarterbacks uh, who are so athletic are moving around so much that you've got to bother them quickly. And the best way to do that, shortest point between two two or shortest distance, two points, straight line. Interior pressure has kind of become that much more to premium. So I feel like guys like Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne here locally are benefiting from that. Or is that just because I'm I'm just sort of looking here in this market? Give me your thoughts. No, I agree 110%. That is, you know, I think probably Aaron Donald made it even more sexy because he's just this incredible, you know, freak defender. But now in a general sense, you're seeing a push, like you're saying, to you can get two quarterbacks faster from the interior. Also, you know, all this money going to tackles and more and more players, you know, more and more teams trying to spend there and, and get better at tackle. Then I think team defense has realized, hey, let's attack the middle, go up against guards and centers that are not as talented. And then, of course, now there's kind of this shift you know, Quentin Nelson reset the guard market. So I think that is the A, the big part of it. The second part of it for me is because defenses are now playing more too high shells, have fewer defenders in the box, if you have these really good interior defenders that A, can rush the passer, 
but then B are also still stout run defenders. They matter more because, you know, not missing tackles and, and making those plays up front is going to save you yardage on the back end because there are just not going to be as many linebackers and safeties on that second level to make that play in the run game as well. So along those lines, Jonathan Allen, who Washington's already paid, who's a terrific D-tackle, will be in the Pro Bowl for the second straight year. Although that doesn't mean anything as of today, I guess I should point out. <laughs> but $18 million a year player, fourth at the position behind Donald Buckner and Jones, who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl. There was a time, when, probably when you were with the team, and as recently as a few years ago, where you might have said you can't pay Payne after you've paid Allen and have 2D tackles taking up $38 million AAV per year. You just can't do that and then pay your defensive ends and, and still get where you want to go. Should we still view it that way? Or because of Payne's 11 and a half sacks, because he and Allen were a Fletcher Cox, you know, Javon Hargrave type tandem in the middle, is it okay for them to pay Payne 20, to pay Allen 18, and maybe figure the rest out, even if that means they can't pay a sweat or a, a cam curl or something like that? I think that's where it gets tough is that Montez Sweat obviously is going into that fifth-year option year, so the same timeline for when uh, Jonathan Allen got his extension, and I would probably prioritize getting one of those edge players done on top of your interior guys. So, you know, you mentioned Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox. Those guys are making 13 and $14 million a year, uh, so a little bit less, and that's how they're able to then bring in Hassan Reddick and add him to a room with Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat and so on and so forth. Look, you know, as good as they are in the interior, and like we're saying, it's so valuable, I still think, you know, approaching $40 million a year uh, is really, really tough to then spend elsewhere. And then B, uh, you look, Jonathan Allen, I think Payne's a good player. I think Allen's a better player. One example in recent memory, the Miami Dolphins, they bring in uh, Byron Jones, the outside cornerback, and the next offseason, Xavier Howard, with four years left on his deal, says, well, I'm the best quarterback on this team, and he's now making more money than I am. Explain how that makes sense to me, or give me a new deal. Uh, that's a potential risk you take. You give Payne 20, and, and Jonathan Allen says, I know you just signed me. You gave me a great structure, a $30 million signing bonus. It's a great deal. But you know what? I refuse to be the second-highest-paid player at my position on this team, uh, so we're going to have to revisit that. Yeah, I've been more productive. I'm the one giving the speeches. I got to see on my jersey. I could see that happening for sure. To clarify, are you saying you would prioritize sweat over pain? Or because I added curl to the question, were you saying sweat over curl? Uh, I was saying sweat over pain okay. uh, if you're looking at the defensive line. I think Cam Curl's a really good player as well. Uh, you know, he's been very, very important to this defense. I think a guy that they should want to bring back. Um, but, you know, if we were just talking about up front in terms of saving money, you know, Curl's not going to break the bank at safety as much as a guy on the defensive line would. Um, you know, I would say, hey, let's get an early extension done for Sweat. Let's not let him go into, you know, a potential franchise tag or, you know, go into free agency, et cetera. Uh, let's maybe maybe franchise tag and explore trades for Deron Payne uh, to not just get that compensatory pick and get some more, you know, value in return. Um, but I would focus my efforts more, I think, on extending Montez Sweat this offseason. Brad Spielberger with us here. All Grant and Danny. Brad, one more sort of pain-related, but this is, I guess, general as well with the NFL. Durant Payne for a few years was one thing. Good, solid, strong, you know, run stuffer, the occasional bit of penetration, yada, yada, yada. This year broke out in that regard. How do you view 
those kinds of breakouts, especially when it comes around contract time, right? To me, I think he developed, but I'm also not the one that's got to make a multi-million dollar decision, right? Just kind of go to the criteria there of of how you evaluate career year or contract year versus growth and, and, and kind of where's the line meet. Yeah, it's a great question. It's something we've studied a bunch and something I'm probably going to do some content on later this offseason. So the one thing that we have looked into a bunch, though, is those growth curves and, and kind of the learning curve at each position. And when we see, you know, based on position, guys kind of come into their stride and become the player they are. And so, you know, at some positions you would say, oh, is it a contract year? And is he just maybe putting in more effort? Um, for this position, I would say no. You know, tight end is one we always talk about. You just don't really see guys produce until year three or so. And then interior defensive line, I mean, you look at, yes, Payne is a year ahead of these guys, but we also saw, I mean, Quinn Williams is always a good player, but I think now he has a true breakout season for the Jets. Dexter Lawrence is always a good player. Now he has a true breakout season for the Giants. I think the same thing happened with Payne. I don't think it was a lack of effort or him showing up because he wants a new deal. You know, I think he just fundamentally got better as a pass rusher. I also think they used a little bit differently. They went to the, you know, they've moved from 4-3 to 3-4 and or maybe vice versa with Jack Del Rio. And so it's kind of been, been different things or different assignments for him. Um, and, and I think he just took that stride in this season. Brad Spielberger, PFF underscore Brad, does a great job breaking down the salary cap and some of the money and the numbers in the National Football League, and he's been on the team side, and he gets it. Uh, you had an interesting tweet today that I think sings to me. I'll be very honest. But I just want to get your your larger thoughts. Washington is implementing what they call this coach-centric approach, where Ron Rivera is the head coach and the VP football ops, and he checks the Gatorade, and he, he passes out the water, and he does the whole thing. I know that when you were reacting to the news that Frank Reich said, that Scott Fitterer, the GM in Carolina, would essentially be in charge of the roster. You said, good sign, let GMs GM. What do you make of coach-centric approaches, and what about teams that kind of have GMs in name only? Yeah, it's not a knock on coaches that want more control, and I do think I don't think fans realize how many buildings you know, think that, oh, you know, the GM is in charge of the roster, they have final say, the coach just gives input. And it's usually the reverse. Um, so I get that. But for me, it's just the NFL is too hard uh, of a job to do that. And you look at the Super Bowl. Yes, Andy Reid is heavily involved in personnel. But Brett Veach is a very empowered general manager. Howie Rosen in Philadelphia is the most you know, powerful person in that building. And it didn't matter who was there. When he's the GM, he is making the calls and, and making the moves. And I just think you need to delegate responsibilities. It is simply too hard to do all of these things or to be the main person doing all these things. So that said, I mean, they do obviously have kind of co-GMs in place with Mayhew and Herney. Um, and, and I think the foundation there is okay. And so I get that Rivera wants to be very hands-on, wants to, you know, really be in charge of it. But if I was, you know, constructing a front office, for me, I would say, look, I want the coach to go to the GM. This is the type of player I want. This is the skill set I'm looking for. You know, we want the guy to do this. We want you to find a player that excels in this area. But then I would say, okay, great. Thank you for your input. I'm going to go make these moves. You're not going to call me and say, hey, I love this kid. I met him at some events, so give him $2 million more than, I, than you want to. No, I'll set the value. I'll make the decision. If he's out of our price range, tough luck. I'm going a different direction. I don't care that he, you, know, you loved coaching him five years ago. That, I think, is where you get into, into, into trouble. Brad, big picture from these teams that were in the Final Four, and now you've got your two teams vying for the championship. Uh, my longstanding belief here is everything else is just window dressing. This is the number one offense in the league against the number two offense in the league in terms of points scored. There's not a lot of mystery going on. 
If you're a great offense, you got a great chance to be in the Final Four, which means you got a great chance that things break your way uh, to vie for a championship. That's my big takeaway this year. Love your thoughts on that, and then and then kind of give me yours about the group that made it here to the semifinals, conference finals, and ultimately the Super Bowl that, that teams should be trying for. That is today's NFL. You know, the, the old adage of defense wins championships maybe applied 20, 30 years ago. It, it no longer is a fact in any way, shape, or form. Look, defense still matters. Obviously, you know, teams like San Francisco with a third-string quarterback are in that game for a reason. But did the four teams in the conference championship were the first, second, third, and sixth EPA per play offense this season? Uh, and that's you go back, you know, the last five or six years, that's what you're seeing over and over again. You know, that is EPA per play is a context-adjusted and down and distance adjusted, you know, efficiency metric on offense. But but yeah, that, that, that's the NFL. So um, that's not going to change. Uh, and, and that is, again, why we go back to the original conversation. As good of a player as Deron Penny is, as good as it is to have a good defense, it's why you can go around 500 in Washington. If you want to win 12, 13 games, go deep in the playoffs. I don't care if you're the best defense in the history of the NFL. If you can't throw the ball and move the ball on offense, you're probably not going to be playing in those games. Brad, as a cap expert, we're having you on a day after we found out how much the salary cap was expected to jump. I can't imagine that was much of a surprise. I'm sure these teams know these numbers before we all find them out. But what was your takeaway from the new cap number? What could it mean for teams like Washington in the middle of the pack right now in cap space for this offseason? Yeah, I think this was expected. We had $225 million as a placeholder over the cap. Um, we kind of had some conversations with, with some league people and club people, and, and that was the consensus of where it would land, and obviously it landed right there. So it is still a good number, though. 8% growth is one of the largest year-to-year grow, uh, growth in the salary cap in a long time. We're getting back on track from you know, the COVID drop in 2021 where it went down to $182 million. I think you are going to see some aggressive spending and some teams feeling more comfortable you know, giving out these bigger deals. There's TV money and gambling money and 17th game money and more playoff game money, um, you know, all these things, we're actually now seeing it as opposed to just knowing it's coming. Um, I think teams are going to be aggressive, and we're going to see markets grow uh, this offseason. You know, obviously, interior defensive line at the top of that list, but others as well. Putting you on the spot here a little bit, Brad, but give me a good team. So it's easy for a, a, a team that's down at the bottom. Like, I think the Bears are going to have a ton of cap space. Duh, right? I mean, they're you know they're starting to build. But give me a good team or a team that at least has some potential in your eyes that's in a good cap situation that you, you want to keep an eye on. Yeah, so, you know, Cincinnati obviously has to start taking care of their players internally. You know, T. Higgins and Joe Burrow maybe get massive contracts this offseason, but they're fourth for us in salary cap space, and – they, you know, even last offseason didn't go crazy. They did address their offensive line, which they probably still need to keep adding pieces to, but didn't splurge and, you know, go out and give Brandon Sheriff $16.5 million a year uh, and ended up having the lowest grade of his career by about 20 points, you know, per, per our charting. So they, they were smart with their spending. I think one other one um, is Seattle, too. Kind of clear the books. You, get, you don't pay Russell Wilson, you know, $49 million a year over five years. Again, they're going to have to pay Geno Smith, but I think now – they can spend around him. They can upgrade some spots there with their great draft class and another, you know, a, a lot of draft capital going into this year. I think they could make a leap next season potentially um, by, you know, adding some more pieces around Geno Smith. He's Brad Spielberger, Grant and Danny right here on 106.7 The Fan, catching up with him. Do you think Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, any or all are on different teams next year? I think the old guys will be on new teams. I think Tom Brady uh, to San Francisco makes a ton of sense, especially now with Brock Purdy's injury, or maybe he goes to Las Vegas and reunites with Josh McDaniels. 
tries to convince Gronk to come, so on and so forth. Um, and then for Rodgers, it's just the way his contract was structured, and I promise you don't want me to go, you know, go into why, but it makes more sense to trade him this offseason than it does next offseason. He, he, would, he would push money out into the future, and it would actually be a bigger financial penalty for Green Bay if they waited another year. So I think that's going to be the impetus for a trade. I'll throw out the Jets just as a team that I think does make a lot of sense. Um, but, yeah, I think both of those guys are gone. With Lamar, I think he'll get the exclusive franchise tag, about $45 million right now, um, and then they'll try to iron out a long-term deal, and I'll guess they do, but I think it's going to be a battle that goes until, you know, maybe August and this offseason with Lamar. What would you do if you were the Bears with that number one overall pick and also Justin Fields? I think you have to really heavily explore the trade-down market and try to convince you know, you have obviously Houston at two, but I think you want to go further than that. Indianapolis at four would be my ideal spot. I think you still could get Jalen Carter from Georgia or Will Anderson from Alabama. And you go down, you probably get a 2024 first from Indianapolis, maybe the 35th overall pick this year, which is their second rounder. Um, that is the ideal thing for me. I think taking a player at one overall when you have trade offers available is not the way to go about it. Again, you can't take a terrible deal, um, but I think if you're getting offers, you go for it. And then, look, I know fans, you know, I just mentioned Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, and Bears fans don't want to, oh, we're going to miss out on generational talent, yada, yada. Look, if Carolina or Las Vegas is calling at, you know, what, eight and nine or wherever they're picking in the top ten, and they're making you this godfather offer with, you know, multiple future first-round picks, you have to do it. You really do. Um, So that's what I would do is trade down get a good defensive or offensive lineman with that first rounder, and then, you know, use all those extra assets to just build up the trenches, bring another wide receiver in for Justin Fields, and, and go from there. Brad Spielberger, you see why we love having him on. He's excellent. Pro Football Focus is where you can go, go check him out. Thanks for the time. We appreciate you. Yes, thank you guys so much. See you, Brad. So four years and $80 million is what he is speculating. Uh, he prepares basically projected contracts, and they're really close normally with what they do. He's worked in a front office. He's really good at that. Giving contract offers and giving numbers to a GM before. and It's it's the whole industry. That's what he's doing. Uh, we have him on. We have Joel Corey on to talk about this. So if it's 4-80 and 80 and it exceeds John Allen money, who's at $18 million AAV, is that something you'd be willing to do on a long-term deal for pain? Now, look. If he's going to play three of the next four years, like he played this year, and let's just say he stays fully healthy in three years and is great, then that's perfectly fine. Then that's what it, that's what it costs, right? There's nothing wrong. Yeah, you're paying for a, a lot of production, and you're getting a lot of production. What I do worry about, though, is what he said about Allen. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. You're John Allen. That's your room. Those two guys, remember, they got into it on the sideline. They're good buddies. Yeah, they're brothers, man. But... John Allen's kind of the leader of the team at this point. He's Uh the one giving the speech at the 50. He has been more productive than Deron Payne. This year, Payne had more sacks. I think you could make the case Payne was more impactful, certainly made more plays. I'm not sure that he was better than Allen. John Allen, over a two-year, three-year, four-year sample, has been the better player. How would he feel about suddenly being the second-highest-paid defensive tackle in the room? I think that's a fair question. It is. I mean, my hope is that Allen's such a, a good dude that he would understand the nature of the league, and he got his turn, and he raised the 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 the, the tide for every future defensive tackle. Just so happened that one next to him got to take advantage of that. That's that's the league. That's how things work, right? I mean, you sort of push for those sorts of things. I remember having a conversation, got forever ago, with Ian Desmond about shortstops and 
you know, elevating their pay and making sure that that was something that was really important to him, not only for him, but for the next shortstop from, from uh, you know, wherever he's from in Florida. Those kind of things matter to guys at, at times. So you would hope that John Allen would, would say, yep, I got mine. I'm in, I'm in a great position. I'm awesome. This is still my squad. Nothing changes. But you could also see some feelings and, and feeling some type of way about that. Just posted a poll. You can go vote on uh, the poll right now at Grant H. Paulson. I said, would you re-sign Deron Payne if it took four years and $80 million to do it? Right now, 58% of people are saying yes. 42% are saying no. It's actually a little closer than I would have thought. First couple hundred votes uh, in. So uh, just worth throwing those early results out there. Watched a great sports documentary last night, Danny. I want to tell you about that. Plus, the Wizards won in San Antonio yesterday for the first time since the 90s. What were you doing in 1999? We'll have to get into memory uh, lane. Hop back in the Wayback Machine next on Grant and Danny. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's a hell of a win. Obviously, I haven't won here in, what, 23 years? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Streak's broken. Yeah. All right? Got to keep our momentum. Hell of a night tonight. Great job. Oh, man. Great job. Yeah, it's on the road. Oh, 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 oh. Where's it going? This is defensive belt. This is defensive belt. Post-game Tom Fullery after win number six in a row for the Wiz yesterday. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fan. The Wizards winning in San Antonio for the first time in 24 calendar years. You got to go back to 1999. Got us to thinking. We'll go around the room here. What were you doing in 1999? Danny Ruye, the oldest of all of us. Yes. You actually probably had a life at that point going. What were you doing in 1999? On Saturday, December 11th, 1999, I was in Guthridge Hall at the George Washington University with my roommates, Brian Beggs and Matt Walker. And uh, we actually didn't have much to do that. Actually, look this up, believe it or not. We didn't have a ton to do that day because our off-season conditioning program had started where you can go six days a week. We had morning workouts and everything. The rest of the day on Saturday was free. We actually participated, participated, I'm sure that's a word, participated 
in a foggy bottom DuPont Circle bar crawl that afternoon. So I made pancakes for everybody. I had all, all, all the members of the team who were over 21, of course, only at legal drinking age would come over. And uh, we left our room at Guthridge Hall, 803, shout out, at about noon and tried to make it to all 24 bars. And I think nobody made it to the full 24, but I think we got to like the high teens. We're pretty proud of ourselves. And everybody passed out before that game started. And I woke up on Sunday with the knowledge that my Washington Wizards had beaten the San Antonio Spurs. I didn't know at the time it would be the only time in the next quarter century. But that's what we did that day. We went to a bar crawl. Your boy would have been 10 years old. I would have been, it's a Saturday, so probably not headed to Potomac Elementary School, where I would have been a fifth grader, I believe. Uh, Might have been a rec basketball game that day. Mm. I was playing on the uh, red team, rec basketball, with uh, Alex Delguitis. Was the big man, a little inside-outside game there. I was a point guard. He was the big. Uh, Probably would have been taken on like Joey Friedman and John Moneyhun's blue team, vaunted rivals. Uh, So maybe we had a game that weekend. 99, big year for your boy. That is when I made my uh, television debut on local Channel 9. That's right. So you were already doing that. WSA TV. That point, so that right? would have been training camp 99 would have been the summer. Yep. So in December would have been, honestly, just, there was a Saturday night in December of 99 when Frank Herzog took me and my family out to dinner to celebrate the end of the first football season of picks. So it very well could have been the 11th. Maybe it was the 18th. But what happened was, it? this is a true story. So... Someone at Channel 9, one of the people behind the scenes was very nice, like called my dad that week and was like, hey, we're going to um, take you guys out to dinner because you've been driving up and, you know, just hour and a half. Yeah, giving us some content here and there. Gave us content, whatever. It was great for me, but, you know, they obviously were enjoying it as well. So they said, well, we'll, uh, we're going to take Grant out to dinner. So if you and my mom's name's Janine, you and Janine want to come up with Grant, come on up. We'll go out to dinner afterwards. You know, one of the producers or whatever. Very nice. My dad was like, oh, that's so cool. Like, yeah, that sounds great. So we get up there, and we're super dressed up. I'm in a suit. I never get in a suit. I, I normally wore like a little 10-year-old Grant suited. Oriole starter jacket uh-huh. or, you know, some type of like Redskins gear, right? So I get up there, and I'm in a suit, and my dad's in a suit. My mom's dressed up real nice. And so Frank Herzog, who's just the nicest guy in the world, is the TV guy that I'm going on with at that time. Yeah. And he comes over and he's like, Grant, uh, why are you so dressed up? And I was just like, oh, uh, you know, we don't for dinner afterwards or whatever. He's like, oh, you're going out to dinner? And uh, and I was like, yeah. And I kind of looked at my dad and, and Frank's like, where are you guys going? And my dad's like, oh, I'm not sure. So-and-so called and said maybe there's a dinner after this or something. Uh, and, you know, and he's like, well, it's okay if there's not. <laughs> like, It's clear that nothing's been planned. Yeah. So Frank Herzog just picks up on someone at some point said Promised there the would be a dinner. So then he comes up to me like five minutes later. I don't know who he talked to, and he's like, "I got a place. I'm going to take you to get you. You ever you get you ever had filet mignon? How about it?" And I was like, "No, never had filet mignon." He's like, "We'll go get you some filet over at my one of my places." I was like, "Awesome!" So Frank Herzog took me, my mom, and my dad out for a steak dinner. Might have been that very night, December. So it was a December in '99. So Peter, the producer, started making huge promises, big plans. The, man. the small town Paulson's got all got dollied up, dollied up, right? If you, I, first of all, ten-year-old Grant with a suit is a is a bit of a show. Now a suit is a is a stretch. It would have been. I'm very. I'm going to assume it's brown shoes, okay, gray pants, yeah, blue jacket with the gold buttons, right? So sports jacket, still, still. For a ten-year-old, I'm dressed up, yeah, as dressed much up. as a kid gets dressed up, not totally suited up, but, but there, yeah, there's. But, 
you you're you know at that point in your life right. you know you were going to very fancy things it's in DC cool, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you were on your way to St Albans so you probably had you know like you've been to the suit supply for a couple of fits indeed you know indeed. not this guy not I, you no i was ill fitted something my dad might have worn away ways before that indeed Something like that. But like the elephant tusk sleeve. But how about you know? my guy Frank Herzog to the rescue? First of all, that's, that's the point of the story, by the, the way. The voice. Classy. Of the Washington Redskins, Frank Herzog. Uh, Darius, what do you got? Uh, 1999, I was in sixth grade. So at, I would have uh, been in sixth yeah, grade. Yeah, you would have been in sixth okay. grade, right. Yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, so it's that fall. So I was thinking fifth, but yeah, okay. Sixth right. Grade. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, in 1999, I'm pretty sure I was taking Taekwondo. Yep. Silly. Yeah, Harris. I was taking Taekwondo. Um, what belt were you? Was so, this before you got your black belt? No. <laughs> Unfortunately, I never got the black belt. Oh, you what? didn't graduate. What happened? I can actually tell you why. Um, but I think the highest I got to was green green belt black stripe. Let's go. Which was about yeah. third up from the bottom. Could Garris whip up on us? Is that what we're I think that's I've, the takeaway. I've forgotten everything that I ever learned in that. I bet you I bet you in a conflict <laughs> it would come right back. Ryan, charge him during the break. We'll, we'll, we'll find out, yeah. Uh, but no, actually, <laughs> so it's funny. It the reason. Youth adult belts, okay. white to yellow yep. to green stripe. There we go. Orange, blue, purple. So you were green, green stripe. Green, green with black stripe. Yep. Green with black stripe. Yep. So you you got to like the third level. I did. You you pummeled white and yellow. Did you have to break anything? Uh, say that again. Did you have to break anything? Like, do you ever like put your hand through like a, a we, smallish? We were board? able to do the 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 wooden plank, but never got to like the. The level of doing, say, Can like you just a, see little, bit, little baby Darius. <laughs> little baby whack, Like, I'm going to hit this board. And then nothing happens. <laughs> I wasn't a baby. I was just 11. I was 10 or 11. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes, Sensei. <laughs> uh, the reason I, I quit Taekwondo it's like was on because. For some reason. <laughs> yeah. You know, why are you? Arms out. Why are you doing the crane? Style. <laughs> uh, the way my, my dad used to take me in, the way his work schedule worked out, he could only start taking me one day a week, which was Wednesdays. And on that particular Wednesday was a certain instructor that I wasn't a fan of. Uh, because this instructor used to, he used to hit people with a kendo stick if they messed up no, their didn't. formation. Ken Shamrock? Yes. Can you imagine that guy now? <laughs> Shamrock would be he, so fired. No chance he would totally get away with that in, uh, in these days. Did, but he yeah. really, did he ever whack you? Uh, I never got whacked because I rarely messed up. But yeah, it was it was more it was main, mainly the older kids that he would do it to. So anybody in like the the, the upper teens. He would he would hit them with the kendo stick if but they messed up formation. Steve Blackman's over here just whacking what? him with the kendo stick. <laughs> yeah, better so reference I, than Shamrock, by the way. That is a good reference. Thank you. So I uh so yeah I eventually was like, Dad, I don't I don't want to get hit with a kendo stick. I'm done. And yeah, That's I dumb. ended up leaving, but it was fun. No file on Steve Blackman. Who's Steve Blackman? Oh he, come on! He Danny. was the wrestler who came out with a kendo stick. I thought it was, it was like, Ken Shamrock who did that. Ken Shamrock had the ankle lock. He was the UFC guy. No, I know Ken Shamrock, but I thought Ken Shamrock uh, had the kendo I, stick. I would imagine Shamrock also kendo sticked it. Everyone used to like pulling a chair out. Tweet from me at Funny Danny if, if Ken Shamrock used to kendo stick people. It was I'm, definitely a uh, Blackman thing, though. I'm telling you that Ken Shamrock did do it. Probably some. Steve Blackman didn't come down to the ring without it. Mankind had a sock. Yeah, Socko. I'm Blackman very familiar. Had a kendo stick. It was his. It was his thing. So you're telling me Will Blackman, who also played at Boston College and for Washington, Same had guy. kendo sticks. Ryan, 1999. What were you doing? So that was actually the year I was born. And it turns out December 11th is 11 days after my birthday. There we go. So therefore, my boy was alive. I was 11 days years old. And I was also 264 hours old. 11 days years old. Yeah. 11 days. Whole 11 days. It was fun. It was a great time. I remember it like it was yesterday. Get ready to fire up Clarissa. Clarissa explains it all, by the way. Um, so you were 11 days old. Yep. 11. 
I want like, what do you think you were thinking about? What do you think you were doing at 11 days old? Well, I mean, thinking a lot. Your boy, your boy had a big brain at 11 days old. Always pondering you stuff. You know, I, I was just probably trying to get my next meal. At that point, I was 11 days old. You were so steamed up. I was so steamed up for a meal. And uh, that's that's really all I could tell no you. No solid foods yet. I probably right, cried uh, a few let times. Let me hear Clarissa. Yeah. So earlier today, this is a true story. This yes, really it is. happened. So Ryan was talking about, what were we talking about? Oh, he's been losing weight. He's been really healthy, and mm-hmm. he's been working out, and he's been eating better. And he was telling us how much weight he's down since a certain date. And you told us that the date that you started losing weight was? December 7th. December 7th. And do you remember what I said to you when you said that? Uh, Yeah, you're like, oh, that's a really significant date. Wrong. What I said to you when you said that, well, you said December 7th. And I said, oh, a date which will live in infamy. Yes. That's right. And you said, cool. And we all said, but dot dot dot. Yeah, and and you 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 were furious that you didn't get the, the you, what you called a joke. Yeah, like yeah, I, I look around at at you, Danny, Darius, and, and you guys are all like looking at each other, like, oh my god, like what is he talking about? So when I say to you again, Ryan, December seventh, a date which will live in infamy. Explain why that's such a significant date and why it will live in infamy. You know that's a great question, Grant. Yeah, it's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Your boy, Ryan Clary, has no idea what day that is. I don't know what it is. I didn't Google anything, obviously. I have no idea what that date could possibly mean to anything. Is it specific to 2022? No. I don't know. Is it specific to 1999? I don't know. It's not. Is it even specific to December 7th? Probably it is. not. Yes, it is. It is. Probably not. So, so forget the date for a second, December 7th. I want you to just... Even though that's when you hear that date, you should immediately think of something. Well, let's just say you don't. Mm-hmm. A very, very popular line in American history: "A date which will live in infamy." That means nothing to you. Ah, there's something here. I there's think there is something. Yeah, there's something brewing here. Hit him. I'm feeling like a little 1940 time frame. Oh, here. the JFK speech. Oh, which JFK speech? Oh, wait. I know. Did he give a big speech at a middle school? No. <laughs> he was attending <laughs> at that point? No. What, what about? I was explaining. Ask not. It's not JFK. It's not JFK. Now now I'm thinking about this. Okay. I'm thinking about this. This is dangerous. I have a guess. Okay. I could be way off. All right. Is that Pearl Harbor? It is. It Ryan is. Clary. See? You Ryan Clary. See? Thank you, guys. I knew it. So who you. gave the speech? Who said a date? Which will live in infamy. Eisenhower. 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 No, it's not. There no, it it's not. Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson. You got it. I'm sure I it did. It was a circuitous route. Thank you. I don't know how you jump from JFK to Woodrow to Wilson. Pearl Harbor he, to Woodrow Wilson, he but he got it. Got he eventually got it. Ladies and gentlemen, he had to workshop it. Man. He had to figure out where we were going with everything. Amazing. Then he remembered December 7th, 1941. Watching that brain work is a pleasure. He knows his American history, so he knew that <laughs> Kennedy, I think, was in the 1940s. Kennedy was the first guess, right. yeah. But Woodrow Wilson. Yep. Attaboy. See, I told it. you guys. I knew it. You didn't know it. It no, took no, a bunch of guesses first. Thank you. Thank you. I knew it. <laughs> <clears throat> the double play is next. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. Watched a really good documentary last night. 
Beltway Blitz, top of the hour. Remember, at 5 o'clock, we're going to talk to Barry Sverluga about the learners likely hanging on to the Nats all season long. And at that time, at 5, we have tickets to go see Nickelback right here on Grant and Danny on the Fan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Next hour, but it is time for our double play. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports. Danny, I was just happy to see you got here today. A lot of traffic coming across the old FDR bridge there in Virginia and Maryland. You mean the Woodrow Kennedy Bridge? That's the one. The the Woodrow Kennedy Bridge. I watched the documentary last night. Tell me about it. I watched The Tuck Rule. Have you seen it? Yes, with with Charles Woodson. Exactly. And Tom Brady. I, I yeah. say documentary. I guess it's the 30 for 30. I, I don't know what the difference is. I count is. that as a doc. It was on my ESPN app. I watched it. It was amazing. Isn't it so good? Have you seen it? Yes. You, you did. Okay. Terrific. If you have not, you got to watch this. So basically, there is no narrator. There's no storyteller. Brady and Charles Woodson sit next to one another on a couch at Brady's palatial estate back when times were pretty good for Brady. Uh, as a family man, hmm. and they watch the game together, that Raiders-Patriots game that began Tom Brady's career and the arc that led to him becoming the greatest quarterback who's ever lived, according to most, with all of his Super Bowl wins. But what people forget, I always talk about how he has had the most fortuitous, amazing, lucky. He's also great. Both can be true. Both He's are true. One of the greatest to ever do it, and I don't know that any athlete ever has had the good fortune that he has had. Just the horseshoe that has existed for him for years and years and years. It all began with a fumble. Yes. That was ruled an incomplete pass. 
that allowed the Patriots to beat the Raiders when they would have lost, and they went on for him to in New England to hoist the Lombardi Trophy and for him to be the, the toast of the NFL. And he says in this documentary, in this 30 for 30, and others agree, had he not have won that game, had they not have continued that run, he may not have ended up even being their starter the following season. As weird as that sounds. It's amazing to think about. The whole world, football-wise, could have changed. But it's really, really good. Woodson's really entertaining in it. The way they do it is perfect. The interviews with players from that night. But if you forget that game, it was the final game of the old Patriot Stadium before they moved to Foxborough mm-hmm. and Gillette Stadium. Just such a good 30 for 30. The the visuals of that game are perfect, right? It's snow and it's hard fought. It's, you know, old school type football, right? And, and I actually think it was Woodson on the play. It was a corner blitz, if memory serves. Clearly a fumble. The whole world knows it's a fumble, except for like Sully from Southie that says, uh, according to the rules, it was incomplete pass. No question about it. We love Roger Goodell until they don't. How about Belichick? Was who just move then, so steadfast and going, I knew right away it was tuck rule. I was sure it was going to be tuck rule. I invented the rule. And everyone else morning. is like, yeah, it was a fumble. Brady's like, I thought we lost. Like every person in the stadium's like, yeah, the game was over. And Belichick's like, well, earlier in the year, Vinny Testaverde did the same thing to us and they called it tuck rule. So I knew we were fine. <laughs> like, did you? To this day, yeah. he still thinks that it was unequivocally an incomplete pass. It was the most fumbly fumble I've ever fumbled. It was just such a fumble. But it was the beginning of the horseshoe, bro. Yeah. I mean, what I would do is I would show that play to my child as I explain football, and i go, well, this is what a fumble looks like. And I'd use that play as a great example. <laughs> what a dumb rule that was. Yeah, it was so stupid. I mean, by the letter of the law, you can make the case that Walt Coleman, even though I think it's a fumble, like had the right to call it that way. I still think he did it wrong. But the rule was so bad that there was some gray area with the rule and the play, and it was bang, bang. But... Just such a fumble from the beginning of time. A time for Danny's double play. This is mostly, I would say, it affects all of us, man. But this is mostly good news for you, Grant Paulson. Oh, I stumbled across this on the old... uh, on the old uh, the Newswire. I'm sure I'm looking at the Newswire. It was really yeah. just my Twitter feed. You're very 20s of you. Yeah. My Newswire. This just in, I tell you. It's hot off the presses. Matt Reeves' sequel to the Batman. Greenlit and on the way, and we got a release date for you. Hmm. October 3rd, 2025. The way I see it is my guy Grant Paulson, October 3rd, maybe 4th, watches the Batman, now entitled The Batman Part two, incredibly original titling right there, right? Second in the trilogy. This is a Matt Reeves trilogy that we're undertaking here. Right. You watch it October 3rd, October 4th. You come in the following day, call it the 4th or the 5th. You let us know that it's awesome. You lean on Darius for a few weeks. Yeah. He doesn't go see it. You tell me. You turn your attention to me for a couple months. I don't see it. Mm -hmm. It comes out eventually on HBO. Call it four or five months later. I watch it. I come in. I start talking about it. You get annoyed. That's how I see this going. But I just wanted to let you know that's coming out, and they're starting to work on it uh, in the next year or so. If history repeats itself? It'll go just like that. Something like that could go down. I did like the Robin Robert Pattinson Batman a lot. I thought that it played. Mm-hmm. And I went in expecting to hate it, and I didn't at all. I actually thought it's it good. was really good. Uh, it was a little bit long. Yep. You know, a little bit slow and brooding at times, but 
a massive success and a huge win based on my expectations. And they set up the next movie at the end, potentially. Oh, without question. We don't really know what way we're going here. Count me in. So early October, me, a bag of popcorn, and the cold shoulder from Darius mm-hmm. at the Springfield Mall Cinema. Maybe a Kingstown cinema. No one I, knows right now. I'm the mayor of Kingstown after all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Depends on if it's raining that night or not, which one I'll go to. Mm-hmm. But I'll be there. And Darius will definitely say, yeah, maybe I'll let you know. And then he just won't come. And then doesn't see the movie at all for yes. months. Months. Right? And Indeed. a figurative middle finger to you every day now, during that time. The good news is if there's any of those terrible uh, time-hopping continuum movies that I can't stand, that Darius is excited about, yeah. I- I'll go see it before anybody on opening night. Just in case he needs someone to bounce some things off of. It's not equal, is it? It's not the same. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So when when Darius comes in here all fired up about Ant-Man Quantumania, and I'm not going to see it for another couple of months, because I'm going to watch it when it's on right. my Disney+, Plus. you'll be there to talk He's with him. He's got a shoulder to cry on. It's you. Doesn't he? Yep. What about when I need a little shoulder to put this head on? He won't be there. Whose shoulder do I go to? Who's your guy? I don't I, have a guy. I don't know. You got no guy? I should have a guy. You got the internet. I'm looking at three guys right here. Because I'm in. I was. I was I really pleasant. Reddit rabbit holes. I was really pleasantly surprised with that movie. Here's the th- one thing. Just a quick side. I know we have to move on with our lives. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why. I don't understand the obsession with making Catwoman a thing. P- people that make movies are like Catwoman. It's so interesting. And I'm like, it's not that interesting. I'm a Catwoman guy. I just, they they gave Halle Berry the standalone movie. She they did put well. Michelle Pfeiffer in nine on times. Zoe Kravitz, Deschanel, Kravitz, whatever's in there. It's it's Why not that interesting. Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. I just stopped doing Catwoman. We do Joker a million times. Does that bother you? No, that's an awesome character. I agree. That's a crazy cat. This Catwoman's like, no, she's kind of bad, repetitive. but she's also kind of good. It's but repetitive. she's bad, but she's kind of good. She's also a burglar. It's not interesting. The Blitz will be interesting. It will. I promise you that. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it next on Grant and Danny. Barry Sverluga at five on the fact that it sounds like the learners aren't selling the Nats this baseball season. G&D on the fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.